0: This is Story and Rain Talks, the Story and Rain podcast. I'm Tamara, founder and editor in chief. After over 20 years in the fashion and magazine industries, I launched StoryandRain.com, a digital fashion, beauty, and lifestyle publication where we're bridging the gap between reading a magazine and shopping its pages. On this podcast, you'll discover the emerging trends and tastemakers that matter right now as a catalyst for creativity and through candid conversations with our community of cultural arbiters. We're your resource for discovering today's most interesting people, projects, and products. And we'll explore the origins for game-changing ideas and careers. With our high-low approach to style and the belief that there's magic in the mix, we're going to inspire you to live your most stylish life. Celebrity makeup artist Mateen is a native of Afghanistan who has a master's degree in molecular biology from Berkeley and once worked as a research scientist. During the time he called San Francisco home, he also worked in makeup for various top brands in both sales and as an artist. He was a top seller who honed his artistry in tandem, eventually being recognized by makeup pro and brand founder Laura Mercier, who tapped him immediately to become a part of her team. Today, Mateen is considered one of the world's top makeup artists, one that is regularly booked on ad campaigns, editorial photo shoots, and by celebrities from Claire Danes to Angelina Jolie and countless others. He's collaborated with brands such as Neutrogena, Clinique, Credo, and Chapstick. After his own health crisis that involved removing toxicity from his blood, Mateen has since become an expert and advocate for clean beauty and personal care products. We dive deep into the brands and products he stands by and go on a journey into his childhood and upbringing. Mateen talks about once being overweight and being judged, his background as a scientist and how it contributes to his expertise as an artist, and he tells stories about his place in the cosmetics world of the 80s and 90s. We discuss the moment that opened his eyes to the detrimental effects of toxic products. We talk about how he uses chapstick on the red carpet and why good old soap and water is the best way to keep clean. This podcast contains over 30 beauty product recommendations, so get your notes app ready. You can also find Mateen's Clean Beauty Shop on storyandreign.com. Mateen, I'm curious, were you always creative?
1: I, yeah, I mean, I I did calligraphy when I was a kid. Uh, My grandfather from my mother's side was a famous calligrapher. Yes. so he did Quranic calligraphy, which was really difficult, and it's very stylized. So um, my uncles from that side always came in and tutored us on how to do calligraphy. Um, but that was the kind of art that I was used to. And then later on, I, you know, I dabbled into painting, but I really like ink drawing. Well, mm. so I my favorite thing is the dipping, um, and then drawing figures that way.
0: So you had this talent. From a small child, or was it just was it was it seriously taught to you, or did you? It was taught to me.
1: It was it was part of growing up.
0: And yes, up. yes. And what else? What else were you like as a child? Um.
1: Well, as a child, child, I was terrible.
0: With, meaning, <laughs> meaning, badly behaved.
1: Really badly behaved. That's so wild. And really, a... really um, had to get my ways. So I have six sisters. And I was, was going to
0: all- say you. You come from a big family. So what, what was your place amongst the siblings? How- well, I,
1: was, I have four older and two younger. But just because I was the only boy, they spoiled me rotten. So that was not a good thing. Um, so I was very badly behaved. But as far as creative side of me goes, I was allowed to, be, to express it. I designed clothes for my mom. and I would go to the tailor with her and tell them what to make.
2: You did. Um,
1: Oh, yeah. I was always her, um, go to, to the beauty salon and sat her, there.
0: Her companion.
1: Oh, yeah. and just watched her and all the women in the salon getting perms. And, you know, this is the days that they used to sit the hair with beer and been back did home. You, to did, you
0: love, did, you, did she love that about you? That she always had you by your well, side?
1: Because it, it was a different energy with, between mom and daughter. Yeah. I'm so... So she did enjoy it, and I enjoyed it. It was really fun.
0: How did, uh, so when did you come to the United States? Uh,
1: 1982.
0: And how did you feel about the U.S. when you first got here?
1: I didn't want to come here. I, I never studied English. I studied French in high school, and, and then for the third language, I took German. Yeah. So um, America was never in the equation, but then the war started. And we had to, this is the Soviet war between Afghanistan and, and the Soviet at that time.
2: Yes.
0: Uh,
1: so I, we had to flee. I, I was graduating from high school almost. And uh, the only choice I had was either join the army, which meant fighting against my people, or join the resistance, which is fighting against mm-hmm. Russian. Either way.
0: No, no good.
1: Yeah, bullet. Um, yeah, so um, my dad did everything in his power, paid off people to... Get me um, a passport and ship me out uh, with my mom uh, under false pretense of my mom going for medical attention to India.
2: Ah, interesting. And there,
1: my sister was already living in the states, and yes. she managed to get us to the United States six months later.
0: Wow, where was your sister living at the time?
1: In California, Northern California.
0: And she California.
1: had she there.
2: Yeah,
0: what she? she? She moved there for what reason?
1: She used to work for the American embassy and she was tagged as um, a CIA agent. Mm. Extremely dangerous at Mm. that time. So she was under surveillance and uh, my dad was a famous doctor. So he had a lot of loyal, um, loyal friends uh, and they warned him. They're like, get your daughter out of here because, you know, she could go to jail or or be killed, be executed. So, uh, so my sister had to, flee and then she applied for the visa to the united states because she worked with the americans then they they granted her visa and she came here and she she works as a social worker
0: and how old were you then when you came here i was 17. and you were in california at the time right
1: i ended up moving to northern california
0: so how long were you in california for
1: i was there for 15 years so I, i studied in california i went to um university of california in berkeley And I studied anatomy and physiology for undergrad with molecular biology as a, as a minor. And my whole point was to be the whole reason I, I came, I I went to school was to become a reconstructive surgeon because there was a lot of reconstructive surgery needed in Afghanistan. Yes. Um, But right when I was graduating, by that time, the the Taliban had taken over, before the Taliban, sorry, the Mujahideen had taken over. And there was a lot of fighting in Afghanistan and the fight between the Soviet and Afghan armies were, were done. So it was, it was Afghan killing each other. So I knew that I, my country is gone and I couldn't go back in that situation. Um, so I, I kind of lost part of my hope of becoming a doctor. And then I realized also that um, I couldn't do blood I fainted at the sight of deliberate blood.
0: Oh, how interesting! Yeah, I mean, I worked in the
1: emergency room, and I was fine with. It. Yeah. If somebody had an accident and bled. I could patch them up. I had no problem. I worked with cadavers immaculately; like it was my favorite thing to do.
0: I bet you're an artist, right? So, I... but as
1: soon as you took the scalpel into a live person and the first drop of blood came out, I would be just out.
0: That's really interesting. That you were okay with blood in other yeah. ways. And you were okay with working with health and bodies, but that there was just one, that one way of working with... Yeah,
1: somebody who was alive, I, I couldn't do it. Couldn't and, do it. And it took me like a year and I just couldn't... You know, I, I mean, I was lucky because it, was, it happened before I was in medical school. Um, so I was interning with a friend of my dad's who was a plastic surgeon in Northern California. I passed out four times doing a nose job the first time.
0: You passed off four times. It's funny. I I tell this story um, because it's true. I swear that it's true, but it doesn't sound like it's true. But I had a deviated septum surgery when I was about 19 and it really was for like breathing. I always had sinus problems. I had an uneven nasal canal, I guess. And I guess I was passed out or under whatever on the operating table and i could hear the doctor instructing his assistant so he and i remember it was must have been a resident of some sort he said yeah just give it a whack or hit it harder or something like that and i obviously didn't feel anything but i is is it is that weird that i could hear this like i heard this conversation between doctor and assistant they don't put you under
1: they put you oh basically. And- I
0: don't remember. I was 19 years old. It was such a long time ago, but I do remember that. Okay, so then maybe oh, it's,
1: the, it's the most brutal. Those jobs are brutal. I <laughs>
0: passed out four times. <laughs> it's so hard to do. <laughs> wow, wow. So you were on the medical track, but I was on the
1: medical track, and then that happened, and then I my the only reason I wanted to be a doctor is to go back home and and help children that were burned or, or limbs were blown up.
0: So, so Mateen, you, you grew up sort of very internationally because you, you said your, your sister worked for the emb She worked for an embassy. Yeah. Your father was a, du- yeah. I, I went to an international school. I went, I went to the United Nations international school. Oh, here, lucky. Here in New York. So I, a lot of my friends, uh, parents, you know, worked in, in the same respect. So you, you grew up internationally and when you came to the United States, how did you find your tribe of friends? Like who were you friends with?
1: Uh, it was really interesting. And that's actually, that's kind of what comes into the fashion and makeup and all that as well. Yes. Because uh, I grew up, you know, you went to school because you wanted to learn. You didn't go to school. It wasn't a fashion show in my country. It wasn't. No, a, no, no. And then I come to California in the eighties and I literally, everybody's like, you know, they look like from a new wave video.
0: Yes. That's what, what our school, what my school in New York was like in the 80s, around that the time in the 80s. It was the same thing. It was, and imagine it, it's an international school in New York City. So there were people wearing like their customary dress. There were people who were punk. There were people that were new wave. Like all ways of dress were really encouraged in my school. So I can envision what school was like in Northern California for you. Oh, it was absolutely. I mean,
1: this is like right outside San Francisco. I went to Berkeley, so it's like that kind of culture. Yeah. And it was that. It was the punk in the New Wavers and and the bright colors and and everybody was cutting their T-shirts and everything. It was just so foreign to me because I would wear, you know, I would wear just clothes to cover me to go to school. You know, I had just come here. I didn't speak a word of English, so I had to listen to TV in the morning. I would wake up super early at like four in the morning and listen to TV, all the cartoons from like 4 a.m. till like... 7 or 8 a.m. before I went to school just to get used to the language itself. Listen,
0: that works. That, works. that works. works because I studied French in my international school and then I studied it in college because I did not want to stop studying it. I took it in college as well. Then I did, wasn't studying it, obviously, after college, but then I used to go to cover Paris Fashion Week. And I remember that just putting the television on while it's- on a 12-day business trip in Paris... It really helps you brush up the language, to be honest. It,
1: it really does. And
0: for me, cartoon
1: especially, and that's how I learned French. Because I went to Lycée, and over there, you know, we were thrown up, we were thrown into this this French culture, basically, without speaking it. Yes. And refused to speak our language, even if they were Afghans, and half of our teachers were French. And they would, um, they would just come in and blab and talk, like teach us in French. And we were like these... You know, in fourth grade, I was, like, nine-year-old. And I couldn't even fathom, like, how am I going to learn this?
2: Yeah. And it
1: was very important to my family that I make good grades and all of that. It's very important to be the first in your class in my culture and all that. So it was, it was terrifying. But they, was, they would um, show us cartoons. And that's how we learned phrases before we knew what it meant.
0: Simple so knew- phrases. Simple phrases.
1: Simple- we knew the context, yeah. but we didn't know word by word what it meant. That makes so- dissect it until we learned the language
0: that makes sense i mean you have this really unique background as a makeup artist so we're you're in berkeley you're in california and you get a master's in molecular biology is that right and then you worked for a short time as a research scientist how did you how did and you said you were inspired by and surrounded by all the fashion and all the sort of pop culture style how did you make your way into makeup
1: well it was it was complete accident. I mean, I, I watched my sister get ready every morning
0: because they of were course.
1: older than me. They would get ready for dates or whatever, and and I would watch them, and I would be the eyebrow police because they used to shave their eyebrows, and if they weren't even, I would say, "Well, that one is lower, that one is higher." That's- so I I was always involved in that capacity, um, and you know, I mean, they were like, you know. Twice a month, waxing days in the house, and all the girls were in their underwear waxing and screaming. So it was just yeah. like I grew up around women and I was invisible because I was the only woman. Yes. Uh, yes. So they didn't, they didn't give a damn that it was, a, you know, I wasn't a man yet. So they didn't. Yeah, give you a were one. outnumbered.
0: There were six of them and there was one of you. Yeah. Have you seen, have you seen
1: um, Belle Pook, the movie?
0: Y- not for a long time, but yes. So it was like
1: growing up in that movie. It was like yes. these girls running around half naked, yeah. and I was just there for no reason, they didn't care, they didn't, and their friends would come in and do the same thing. It was just like, they would borrow each other clothes. Yeah, the little and, so brother, always,
0: the little brother in the house, it, yeah. I was always, always exposed to
1: it, and then in California, I, when I was studying to learn English, I would be eating a lot, and I gained weight. So for the first semester, I was literally, I got chubby, and I was shorter, and nobody, nobody talked to me. Like, literally, not one person said hi, not one person thought that I existed. Um,
2: but
0: it's interesting that you had that um, reaction to like, I, I could see that happening, just sort of you're on your own, you're here, you are in Northern California, experiencing like, yeah. all this stuff, eating, drinking, yep. hanging out, everything, right? No, I was eating,
1: eating like at home. I was getting fat <laughs> from watching TV, and but visually, and it still was just, it became so what happened is summer started, and I didn't go to summer school. I started jogging because I was bored, um, and I lost weight. And yeah. and then I had to get new clothes, of course. So whatever was available was the new fashion. So I wasn't wearing my old clothes. And I got a haircut, and I went back to school in, in the fall. And I was, like, literally, those were, like like, sitting on my lap. And they were like, oh, are you new? And they would play with my hair and I had, like, a new new wave cut at that time. And it was... Uh,
2: shocking. You and came that, back,
0: like, you, you transformed into this, like, tall, dark, and handsome, who's this guy? I, was, with-
1: I shot up, like, a, two inches, so I yeah. became, like, just six feet tall. Um, and it was just really wild to see um, how visual this culture was. Yes. That was interesting oh. to me. And that kind of yeah. created this insecurity in me in a way that, you know, you have to be a certain way of to present yourself a certain way. And that's the only way you get attention in this country. Otherwise, no matter how smart you are, no matter how, you know, how good of a person you are, you're not being seen.
0: What very interesting. It's a, the way that you look is your calling card, right? That's what you, you learned. It, that. You just, saw the difference. It was night and day, right? God, it was just, it wasn't
1: apparent until like, until like a couple of months into it. Yeah. Because I go to the French class and just to get an easy A because that was the only thing that I knew better. And, um, and all these the cool kids were in the fringe class and they were flocking to me. And these were people that completely ignored me for an entire semester.
0: Oh, it's unbelievable, really.
1: So it was interesting to kind of come up in that culture and, and realize how important, um, not looks, but your appearance is. Like, whatever you have, you have to make the best out of it in order to, to make a mark with these people in order to to associate.
0: To be heard or to be seen, I guess, is what you were experiencing, yeah.
1: But I only had one friend before that, and that was a math tutor. And she's still my friend, she's, we don't see each other often because she's in Chicago now, but she was um, a really beautiful black American girl um, that befriended me and talked to me. And it was amazing because I was, for the first time, I was talking to her about racial racial inequalities and how I didn't understand why there wasn't any blacks in the politics at that time, but they were all in entertainment. And as long as you entertain them, you're okay, but otherwise, you're not welcome to the society. So all of that kind of became, you know, yeah. the layers of the American culture that I really didn't have any
0: background on. Yeah, of. and this friend of yours was teaching you. She was teaching me. It was just, and it was not even like I don't even know that she was aware of it completely no. because. Yeah. came from a British family, but we
1: started discussing these issues and, um, we both became hyper aware of those things as well. Um, and then later on, we'd laugh about it at, at how, you know, how you would say, Oh, you, uh, if you want to be accepted, lose five pounds and get a hair. right, right,
0: right, <laughs> right. right became a running joke between the two of you basically so how did you how did the make how did makeup come
2: into So
1: makeup came into play um in second year of my college i had to get a job because i i my father couldn't send any money from afghanistan and all of our everything we had was taken away anyway at some point or another but there was no way that you could transfer any money to the west so i had to start working and i wasn't um I mean, in my culture, you don't work as a teenager. You don't.
2: No, right. You,
1: you have means, you you never work until you're done with college, and then
2: you go yeah. work. Um,
1: so I wasn't prepared. I wasn't trained to bus tables or anything. I mean, it was, I guess, to this day, I cannot carry a tray. Yeah. So my choice was to um, to work at a fast food place, which I did for a few months. And <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't picture you. Oh my God! It was it was in East Oakland. It was in one of the most dangerous areas. Wow. Now it's fine because it's very close to San Francisco. But at that time, like literally, I would work the, the thing called Swing Shift. And it was between <laughs> three. I think it was between three and 11. But the next guy was the owner's brother-in-law. So he wouldn't show up until like two in the morning. And I had to go to school the next day. But honest to God, I, I mean, I would have people come in and putting the gun on the, on the counter oh. and ordering. And I was the only one in the establishment. So I would be making their fries, and their shake and their hamburger, and their hot dog, and, and then they would just go, they never bothered me, but right. it was it was that kind of a neighborhood.
0: talk about I... but talk about like learning how to I don't even know what the word is learning learning how to um, adapt to your surroundings and handle a situation. It was definitely
1: humbling. It was something I needed because I grew up very spoiled and
2: okay
0: with
1: other things and and then it was all taken away, which was a horrible thing, but it was one of the best things that ever happened to me because I wouldn't have had my my ethics if I didn't grow up the way I did here. Um, so in a way, I became adult when I came to the West. Um, but then at the same time, I wanted to have, you know, better jobs. So I kept applying um, in department stores, <laughs> but I kept getting rejected until one day I got a temporary job because there was some kind of... Uh, shortage at Macy's and they hired me to work at the, the at the uh, designer I don't I can't remember what it was called but it was where all the European designers were being sold.
0: I so mean was, you went right to the to the best job right the, wasn't that, the yeah, yeah, at
1: that like, time it was like iMagnon and Neiman's and
0: I, re- for- I mean I remember that working in those in department stores at the time it was like hard to do. It was like hard to get a job like that. Even Oh yeah I,
1: apply. I must have applied like yeah at least two, three times a month. Yes. Uh, And I never heard, but I I really wanted to do that. And it was, um, it was interesting. So I worked in the department, in the uh, fashion department for a while. Um, I was good in sales for some reason. I don't know why, but I was. And then somebody, Somebody. my my friend Gloria, who's still a great friend of mine, she worked in the fragrances. She was a rep for um, this group of fragrances that had like Polo and Pavlova and all of these these fragrances
0: you're uh, really so taking me back you're taking take, me back.
1: yeah well i'm dating myself too but
0: you're taking <laughs> 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 i can smell all these fragrances Boy. and i can see the department store floor all of it yeah oh, it was a
1: different world it was a different world so she had a she had a um, a launch for one of her fragrances i think it was polo at that time yeah i'm sure it was polo um and um, she approached me. She's like, "Why don't you come and work for me as a freelance? I'm like, "What's a freelance?" So she gave me her card. She told me what to do, and I became the fragrance person. So I would just go in a few times a week and spritz people and um, sell fragrances. And I was I was good at it.
2: I um, bet
0: I could see your personality being good as a uh, fragrance. It was. It was. So- you have a nice voice. You have a nice way. Like,
1: but I came from you know. I mean, I would. I was in heaven because it was socializing and it was dress up to go to a party basically every day. (laughs) And instead of like putting a uniform and an apron and a cap. Yeah. Just
0: dress up. It smells nice. It's air conditioned, all of it. Right. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So that's how I, that's how, that was my foot in. And then my, um, my dad came after six years of being away from us. Um, he came and, um, and I decided to move out. I'm like, well, Easier, and I don't need to be the responsible boy. So I became a teenager, basically. I started part, not partying, partying. I mean, I started going out into clubs yeah. and
0: everything. You didn't have that le- responsibility of taking care of the family on your shoulder.
1: Exactly. I, yeah, because my sisters were okay with him, and and my mom was there. And um, so I, I, I moved out. I moved to San Francisco with my friend, Marty. Um, she's, she's still in San Francisco. Uh, she worked as a custom blender at Neiman Marcus for prescriptives.
0: Prescriptive. <laughs> Rest in peace, prescriptive. Exactly my favorite. That, that was the brand. Remember that? that was I, I could see those skinny lip gloss sticks now. I remember they did like a skinny lip gloss stick. Yes, it
1: was beautiful. It was the skinny lip lipsticks. Skinny and, lip. and there
0: was one that was even like a lime green that transformed. Oh, yeah. You remember all that, right? All of that. And Calix yeah. fragrance. So she basically, um, she
1: was having the New York people coming in. She was having a big event. She was short, some people. And she offered me to come and work with her. And I'm like, I'm a guy. What am I going to do at a makeup counter? And she's like, trust me, you'll do it. Just come in. Uh, she sh- she showed me how to color print. Do you remember that? Like the stripes?
0: Sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. There was like a whole color. In the 80s, there was a lot of like... There was
1: Wheel and It was color all
0: about color wheels, wheels and yeah.
1: So uh, she showed me how to do that and what to say on an interview. So I, uh, I seem incredible and uh, I got a job and they were paying me, I was making $12 an hour and they were paying me $15 an hour. I'm like sold. done. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I got into makeup. And then I just basically became the makeup artist, um, between the stores, I would go in for prescriptives. And then later on, I got, you know, everybody would give me like a bump in pay. And then I would go work for them. So I worked for Stondal. Do you remember that line?
2: Yes.
0: Wait. Wait. We uh, have to talk about this a little bit more. I love that one too. And what was the deal with Stondal again?
1: Stondal was this- Was it beautiful- black
0: packaging? Uh, what-
1: black and red uh, was the, the name of the book of, of their author, Stendhal, and that's what their packaging was. And it was one of the first luxury lines, actually, really? that was that price range, because they had creams, they had neck creams at $125 in 1980.
0: Whatever. I was so into makeup in the 80s. I read all the magazines, and I wanted all of it. I loved, loved all of it. Stendhal, of course. Yeah,
1: so I worked for them. I worked for Cayo, which was another beautiful line, French yeah. line. I worked for Shiseido later, uh, or no, Laszlo. So I, th- I just basically, like, moved around between Saks, Neiman's, Magnin, and Macy's, and I would just be um, talking makeup. And then, so I, I did that throughout my graduate studies. I threw my master's. I didn't, go, I didn't finish my PhD. And then um, when I decided that I wanted to come back to makeup, I kept getting phone calls from all of these brands, a lot of these brands. Dior's is another line that I worked.
0: So you uh, kind of had your foot in the, the beauty world, the makeup and beauty world, and then uh, you were still yeah. sort of a student studying science. and. Oh, the whole time I was a
1: student. It was a yeah. job school in my room.
0: Let, so was... let, let me ask you a question, though. How do you think studying to be a scientist has helped your creativity or has made you a better makeup artist? I mean
1: science is extremely creative. I mean, you're basically designing projects and, and experiments every time and, and you're looking for results and you're getting all kinds of results differently. So um, there's definitely a creative side to, to research and there's definitely a creative side to the medical field that I wanted to go to, which was plastic surgery and reconstructive.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but this, they, they, the way it helps me now is... Uh, like if I'm doing product development, I can go to the lab and ask about ingredients and I can suggest ingredients. I can, I can look at the texture and say, well, what if we do this, this, and that? Um, so it helps me with product development. It helps brands that I work with, with their PR, basically, if there's some kind of, a, uh, um, science background they're looking for and they, they want to pitch me as that. So it helps them for PR as well. Which I- um,
0: we're going to get into this a little bit later on the podcast but you know formulations and formulas and talking about what makes up a product is something that is you know that, that that we do a lot of these days that we didn't really do so much of in the past right no one really was talking so much about formulations yes maybe they would throw out a key ingredient here or there or some luxurious ingredient in order to t- tantalize a customer to buy something but now it's all about what makes up a product, right?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, so you were saying, so you were, you were doing all these, you, you were in makeup and, and working for all the department stores in makeup. And then what happens? Yeah. In your career? So I was,
1: and then I, I finished my, um, so I was, I was doing my master's and I was near the finish line. Uh, Genentech offered me a job. So I worked with them and uh, I was doing my, my thesis project at Genentech Um, working, working in in research. So I was getting paid and I didn't work in makeup for a while. And I kept getting phone calls like Mother's Day or during Christmas. Like, can you come in for a couple of days and sell? I, for some reason, I was a really amazing salesperson. I I can't sell anything anymore. But at that time.
0: Oh no, I could, I could see it. It was the weirdest thing. It's like, no matter what, I mean,
1: it was like, my average was, you know, this is in the eighties and nineties. Like people didn't buy this. Like they do now. Um, like if other people would sell somebody like a hundred dollars, I'd be selling them. Like, and I'm not exaggerating. Nine hundred, a thousand.
0: Yeah, you were. But you were. You were selling product like crazy. I was sitting a lot,
1: and it was not even. Um, it, I wasn't pushing. It was just yeah. like whatever I said. They would just, oh, I'll take that too, then, and I'll take that too, and oh, by the way, I have another house, so let me just double up on everything. It was. It was that kind of. I, w- I was very lucky. Um, so I kept getting these phone calls, and and. Right now we're talking. It's Ramadan, and it was during Ramadan. I remember one night staying up all night. I'm like, "What if I did this? Like, what would I? What would I do if I didn't make up? I, I don't want to move to New York and starve myself." To is that to get what a- your
0: perception of New York was? Like, if I if I leave my whole life here and try to make it in New York, it'll be much harder. Oh, I had
1: like no idea. I've only come to New York once, and and it was. I mean, I literally got dizzy. I was standing near Bordorf and I got in front of Bendel, actually, Henry Bendel, which is another high history point. Um, and I got dizzy because people were walking around me and I yeah. I literally couldn't like stand up straight. Um, so New York was frightening and I didn't want to like leave my life, leave my career and come to New York. And then I'm like, well, what if I get um what if I become like a national artist or a um or a, what do you call it, too? trainer for a brand so you can go all over the the country and train people Mm -hmm. and get to know the buyers and all that. And then eventually make my own brand. Um, So that was the goal of, of leaving. And, and I couldn't sleep all night. And I literally like, I was sketching packaging, I was sketching products like lineup of the products and all of that. And um, the next day I was supposed to go and have iftar with a friend of mine who um, my friend Scott, who's an MBA. And he's like, this is a really good plan. if you need a business partner, I would be glad to be your business and he was one of those people that always like spoke the truth and always discouraged you from doing something stupid yeah he
0: wasn't he wasn't ha- he was being direct when he was, he having
1: was con- he, he's like one of those people that I could trust with these things yeah and he and
0: wasn't he doesn't he didn't easily throw around uh, conversations
1: no, no exactly he's like, oh, if you want to do this and you need a business partner i would so i then I'm like, okay. And then I swear to God, and especially in during this time of the year, um, two weeks later, I get a phone call from Dior and I get a phone call from Bobby Brown and they're looking for a trainer or a national artist. Both. Wow. And I'm like, okay, I don't believe in signs, but this is <laughs> a freaking sign. So I, I cannot ignore this. I have to really follow through this. So I went to interviews and they were, kind of offering me, you know, this and that. And then I get this phone call from somebody at Laura Mercier. Mm. And Laura, I didn't know who Laura Mercier was. The brand didn't exist at that time. And she's like, oh, it's a new line. It's, you know, it's coming out of New York. And she's a French makeup artist, blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, would, you, would you come and work with us? She got my number from my old manager that, that used to run the department store uh, or the, the beauty department. And I'm like, well, I have a job. I, I really can't leave my job unless, you know, you have to at least match my salary. And I wasn't making that much, but you know, yeah. beauty didn't, didn't match it at that time. And they're like, so she called me back. She's like, I'm so sorry, I, we can't match it, but could you just come in to launch that weekend? So I'm like, sure, I'll take Thursday, Friday off and then I'll yeah. work to Friday, Saturday. I never went back to my job. Wow. I,
0: what happened during that time? That I
1: met Laura during the training on Thursday, loved everything she said. We connected beautifully. And, um, and then I just sold my ass off during the launch. And, and everybody was like,
0: Who You did it again.
1: I was very lucky. And they, um, it was so weird. And I remember at the end, like it was exhausting. We worked from 8 a.m. to like 9 p.m it was like people wouldn't stop coming and we were all wiped out. And where was this um,
0: taking place exactly?
1: Francisco, the first day of launch for them. And, um, so they, the owner was there at that time. Um, and they came up with some kind of plan to, to match my salary and, uh, and keep me as their trainer. I so love I, how
0: you, I love how you said, um, and I sold so much and I, I was lucky, and it's like you. Obviously, you no, you weren't lucky. You were very good. You've always been very good at this. It was a, a talent of yours, right? Well, the
1: sales—it was definitely one of those days that you know you have good days and bad days in sales. I've had bad days as well. But it was—it was like crazy, like the amount of products that I was, I was selling. Yeah. And the the problem with the team that they brought with us, which were extremely um, capable and very good makeup artists, they were not salespeople. Yes. So I was, I was trained in sales and I knew how to sell. So that's how we started with Laura Mercier. I worked with her for a year, year and a half maybe. And then I, um, I met my first agent there. Timothy Priano was there and you he did. gave me a card. He's like, oh, I'm like, who are you? And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm Laura's agent. I'm like, What's, I didn't know that. what yeah. agent was. What's an agent? And he's like, oh, I book her jobs. I get, get her jobs. And then I remember him like buying her a, uh, product backpack, I'm like, I don't want an agent.
0: You're like, is this is this, <laughs> is this even a thing? Does this really happen? Do you consider working with Laura Mercier a, your big break, or did your big break come later on in your career, would you say? Well, my
1: uh, my, it opened my eyes definitely to the studio part of um, makeup because I didn't know this existed. I didn't know what an agent was. I didn't know what editorials were. I didn't know how to get an editorial job. So all of that came from Laura and Timothy the day that I met them. And Laura was definitely a great mentor that way. She warned me a lot about all of the warnings that- we- What did she
0: warn you? We, I, we need to hear what uh, Laura Mercier's warnings were to you as a young makeup artist at the time. Well, she warned
1: me about you know how hot and cold the business can be and how you're really, like everybody wants you one day. And then it, there are times that you don't get bookings or you lose a client and they go to someone else and it's- heartbreaking because you're I mean I think makeup artist even more than a hairstylist you are really in their s- space you're in their face so you become very intimately involved with your clients especially if you're working for a big stretch of time or doing a tour with them or anything like that yes. so and they switch because of whatever reason it has nothing to do with the makeup artist it has to do with where they are in their life and what they need energy a million
0: factors a million factors
1: so that was one of the best lessons that she told me that, you know, you do not take any of it personally. And, you know, yes, you can be friendly with them. They are your friends, but they're also your clients. So you have to keep that in mind. And and it's okay if they go with someone else, you'll get a new one. And it was one of those things that I, it really saved me because I saw how my other friends suffered.
0: She taught you how to take things in stride and basically, yeah. And also
1: technically she was, I've never seen anyone like her. Why? Yeah, well, she's just, she's like a pointillist and she does things that doesn't look like anything. And, it and then, and then you just like, all of a sudden, the last brush stroke goes and you're like, oh my God, how did that happen? Honestly, it's like, it's magic. magic. And it's nothing on top of it. It doesn't look like anything.
0: Yeah, it's barely it's there. It's, it's, and it's, it's not just... a,
1: yeah, there's nothing loud about it.
0: Nothing loud, but the face looks tremendously different. Oh, there right.
1: yeah.
0: wow! What else about your early life as a makeup artist? Give me a good story. You've worked with everybody. I mean, so I guess Tim Tim Priano started booking you out on your own, or as an assistant, or how did that? Well, I was assisting Laura, and yeah. then he went
1: me smaller jobs to do the front of the book. You know, the smaller pictures in the book.
0: Yes, the one one image stories. Yep.
1: Yes. It's- so um, so I would get those, and then. Um, I remember eventually I got, you know, a cover of Grazia and then a cover of GQ and a, and a cover of, um, uh, what was it that, uh, my, my big break was the L cover, but
0: the, What was the L, tell us about the L cover and the big so break. the L cover
1: was really interesting because I've never worked, I've worked with celebrities as an art, as an assistant, but never really been a celebrity makeup artist. I didn't even, that didn't exist at that time. Like celebrity makeup artist was very rare. Um, like Laura was doing it with Madonna. There were
0: like four of them, right? There was. I mean, it was, but it wasn't even like a term.
1: It was something that you know you were an editorial makeup artist, and they saw your job yeah. work in the magazine, and they're like, "Oh, I want this."
0: Yeah, it. I guess if you you were a fan of magazines and editorial, there were like the three or four people, yeah, doing all of those spreads. I wish I could remember the other names. I'm drawing. Well,
1: Dick Page, Laura Mercier, Francois Nars, um, Kevin an- at the time. Yeah. May- Rest in peace. Yes, that was kind of
2: it, really. Yes. yes.
1: For makeup, because um, yeah, everybody about, came in a little bit later.
0: You were talking about your L cover. So the L cover, um, <laughs> I got,
1: I got a job booking to go um, with Gilles Simon to in um, Surf, which they okay. were an amazing mentor, both of them, um, and they. They booked me because Carline knew that I could do skin from from Laura because I used to prep all the models for all of the shoots that Laura would do with Carlene and um, and Patrick de Marselier so I um, so she knew I could do I could do skin and this was a story of just skin tan no makeup but literally the girls I was using black Foundation on them where were the- you
0: shooting was this a beach and setting
1: in, um, where were we uh, not Harbor Island the other one some parts. Same parts.
0: Same hey, parts. No, it was Harbor Island. Harbor was, Island, yeah. Classic shoot location.
1: Oh, so good. Um, so we went with little what's her name? Can't remember. Anyway, we did we did three shoots, three stories with the same girl. Uh this little French girl. She was so beautiful. And um, and then they kept they're like this is too good of a location and the weather is good and everything. And so they kept, they, they flew two more girls. We did two more stories. So we had-
0: That's how it happened back then, right? Just yeah. like, let's do more. So
1: we are there and we had five stories that we did for L. And we came back and Gilles tapped me on the shoulder at the, at the baggage claim. And he's like, I'm shooting Liv Tyler next week and I want you to do the makeup. I'm like- Oh, thank you. So, I mean, I didn't believe that he would give me because the whole shoot, like nobody talked to me because it was like such a tight knit of people. It I was did Al-
0: a lot of work to be done. Like a- well, that and also
1: it's like, you know, this is Michel Allemand, Gilles Bansimon and Carlene. They've worked for 10 years together. It's like...
0: The crew, you know, yeah.
1: Yes, and I was an outsider and I was very shy. I was very quiet and, and insecure on, on top of it. Um, so it was never like I never had a word of like, oh, this is beautiful or this is not or any of that. It was just you know, they would talk to each other and, and I was just bystander. So I, I thanked them. I really didn't believe it. And then sure, sure enough, next week I was booked for the first, my first L cover with Liv Tyler. And when the magazine came out, I had 28 pages in that magazine.
0: Wow. So who was the stylist on that and who was the hair and who was the... Uh, this
1: was Karine?
0: Yeah.
2: Was Isabel? No,
1: Isabelle Dupre. Okay. Um, and it was, um, and Gilles shot it, Michel did hair, Michel Armand, which I love to death. and right. um, miss him very much, but he's gone now to, uh, to France. Um, so we, we shot the cover, we shot the story. It was a two-day two thing and that changed my entire career. Yes because I wanted to do more fashion and the more fashion I wanted to do, the more celebrities I got. So I ended up, I ended up doing, so that was a May cover. And by the end of that year, I had, out of 12 cover, I had eight covers.
0: Wow. And it started in May, May. Wow.
1: And then everybody else shot with me like Patrick did. And like I did the year after I got, you know, I did two covers with Angelina Jolie for this, for the same day like in the morning I shot um, one magazine and the afternoon another magazine in London with her. It was like, Incredible. so that's just kind of like rolled into.
0: Then, yeah, the, the the it just kept rolling on and on and on from there. I wish you could remember who the French model was on Harbor Island with you.
1: Um, if I, um, oh my goodness. I shot with her so much. Not, Leticia, a-
0: not, not, not like a Leticia Costa. She wasn't a French. No, no, French. it wasn't.
1: She, she's, she's course, again, but French. Yeah. She was a very petite beauty girl. She did Ultima 2 campaign mm-hmm. for years.
0: Remember, we'll remember this. We'll so remember it. Whose face have you most loved to work on from an artistry standpoint? Um, you've worked with so many wonderful people and beautiful faces, but from an artistry standpoint, does anyone or any, a few people stand out to you? That I've worked my personally really with? You worked on, yeah. Uh, I mean, there are to me, the beauty is so
1: unique for each person. It's like every face is so beautiful in its own way. So I don't know if I could select a face. There was one model at one time that I was really, um, really like at all, like I was mesmerized by her. Um, she had a sharp bob. Again, I'm an 80s child, so I yeah, was- Yeah, I
0: love that too. I
1: did in love with that look. Bangs, short bob, short bob. Um, and she had a magical name, like an Isadora or something like that. She, oh. I that one shoot, I never saw her again. She disappeared. Um, I did black lipstick on her in like 98. And it looked so beautiful on her. And she carried it. She was like a dancer almost, like with the way she moved. Yeah. So I have to say that was like one of those pinnacle moments that I was like, at awe. I'm like, Turns out. this person is made to be photographed. Like she had the grace I've never seen before.
0: Wow. How has the beauty industry and media changed? The beauty industry when it comes to media, the marriage between the two, how has it changed?
1: Sadly, it's all like product pushing now than it used to be. It used to be, um, you know, we used, I I came from a generation that what you used was your secret. Who you worked was on was a secret. Um, You, you, you got well paid from the client so you didn't have to rely on beauty companies to pay you for sponsorship or anything like that so in that sense it was a much more honest way of of using whatever product that worked as opposed to now is all about tagging products in social media to make sure that they see it some of them pay you to tag them a lot of them actually pay if you're a influencer i'm not one of those but if you're a big influencers they actually pay you to to tag them to write about them And that way it's become more of a sales platform than a than an honest you know back then like the art
0: it. of the photo the art of the photo right
1: yeah you basically did whatever it took to make that photo happen and whatever product you use and if anybody interviewed you you'd actually name the product line, and they would write it, whether it was an advertiser for the magazine or not. Yes. Um, that is not happening anymore.
0: Mateen, how much do you think has your personality and temperament played a part in making you successful?
1: Um, a lot. I mean, you have to – it's about energy exchange. It has nothing – I mean, that's have to do with, with
2: – Skill.
1: Or not, but – if you have skills and you cannot project well, it, it can be detrimental to your, to your career. It's, you have to be very adaptable. You have to be very dynamic in a way that, you know, you have to literally react at the drop of a hat. If a photographer wants, you know, all of a sudden, he's not inspired with whatever color you're using and wants something completely different. And if you are one of those people that would take it personally and say, oh, no, that was not my vision and you're only working for yourself, you're doomed. Because you literally, in in a matter of minutes, you envision a red lipstick, and he wants nude lips and um, smoky eyes, or the editor wants that, or you know whatever celebrity. So you cannot be you cannot be rigid in um, in your vision in a way. You have to be yeah. able to manipulate your vision quickly and and reach a compromise without offending anyone or be offended yeah so it, it's, it's a, that that game is it's hard to play and it's it takes time to understand and learn and, and get mature with it uh, what do
0: you, what do you say at this point what do you find difficult about the industry that you're in you've obviously mastered the art of working of being adaptable and is there anything is there is there anything maybe there isn't anything that you find difficult right now i find it the difficult the difficult thing
1: that I find now is um you know doing all of these YouTube type of thing, creating creating content in YouTube or Instagram or TikTok or any of them that are relevant, or for now, um, I I've been di- you know because I have so much time in my hand right now, I've been taking some deep nose dive. What do you call it? Nose dive. No, deep, deep dive. Deep dive. Yeah. Deep is uh, these accounts and it's amazing. I mean, yeah. Even the good ones, they have to create content on time and it becomes something that I'm like, wow, why would you even make that video? Like there's no Yeah, but But it's technology
0: and social media play a huge part.
1: It does and they make money off of it. So because of that, I'm kind of, it's not challenging, but I find it disheartening. I'm a little disappointed. And even good ones that I would follow and like, and then I would go in and look into like, you know, 10th video. I'm like, wow, this was just because you have to drop a video. Like there's no reason for it.
0: Yeah. It's we, right. Content has to constantly be flowing, right? Yeah. It's-
1: content has to be flowing. And I, I don't know if there's need for it, mm-hmm. but there's okay. um, this thirst for it. Yes. And everybody's doing it. And that kind of, that's the only thing that I'm, 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 I'm having a tough time um, l- coming in terms with it.
0: Yeah. Is there, what is the most rewarding thing in, in, in what you do right now?
1: Um, it's, it's a great means to an end and it's a very dynamic kind of industry. You meet a lot of wonderful people like, like I make you,
2: yeah. um,
1: and you work with them every day. It's a fresh group of people that you meet or, or old friends that you see again and you become, you know, re, uh, it's a reunion after you see them again so it's kind of a every day something new the models are new the look is new even if it's the same model even if it's the same um singer or actress you end up doing a new look for them every day and it's you know you can never plan it ahead and the industry
0: is very fast moving and it's it's also a family it's it's right yeah Yeah, we
1: all care of each other we all make sure that um the final product is beautiful and And it comes out at the end the way everybody wants, so it's a great collaborative type of um, type of industry to be in. Um, For me personally, it was, um, you know, as I told you, I wanted to do a brand basically. That was my my whole of coming to New York and doing this. And then I got um, really sick during September after September 11. Like I didn't know that. I got really bad uh, environmental poisoning. And I'm, I, almost I didn't ended. know this
0: part of your story
1: Oh, it was, it was awful Like I couldn't walk anymore I, I, was, I would walk for a few minutes And then I would have to like, stretch my back Were you I, living
0: down near, not near the site?
1: Always oh. been in, in Battery yes. Park yeah, yeah. I was in district in Battery Park So I was a half a block away From the site And I didn't leave until like 11 o'clock Because I wanted to make sure my partner got home And, and that we wrapped the dogs And didn't leave them in the house Before we went out um, so whatever I was in the environment seeped into my body and, uh, I got really sick. And in the process, when I, by grace of God, I learned, I ended up in Germany with a friend at that time, um, to, um, to help him, him get injections and, and, and treatment. And that doctor basically looked at me and said, something is hiding in your body. Wow. I'm like, oh no, I'm not here for myself. She's like, you're here, let me do your blood work. So she did my blood work and I found out that I had mercury and aluminum poisoning. Wow. And Lyme's disease, all three of it. And
0: Lyme's a, disease, and Lyme's, wow.
1: Which was a product of, you know, photo shoots in the Montauk. You know, or I, I remember That's exactly. That's right,
0: you like, probably picked something up in the sand. In the
1: uh, no, I was in the Pennsylvania border um, doing a photo shoot, my first uh, big cover. I remember, because I was a runner, I was a long distance runner. I remember my knees being really inflamed and hurting. And I'm like, oh, I need a new pair of shoes. And I completely dismissed it. Wow. And then I was an, a- an athlete. Not knowing.
0: I was, Not I knowing your body was being attacked, right?
1: And then, you know, seven years later, it manifested and, and it became chronic. So it was, you know, it changed my life. And during those course of treatments, uh, and that's one thing that we were going to talk about anyway, yeah. originally, um, I met a lot of women that, were sick and they were um, getting uh, antioxidant food basically before their chemo treatments so they wouldn't get so sick. And, you know, you, you're basically hooked on IVs in these lounge chairs sitting and talking to these women for three four hours. And I realized how many, how many women are sick from products.
2: Wow. And
1: one that this... really stood out was a massage therapist that used her forearm to massage people. She never wore makeup. She never wore cosmetics, lotions or anything on herself, but she would use a lotion to massage people and her tumors in her breast was directly linked to the lotion that she was using because she would buy it in bulk.
0: And it had parabens. It
1: had parabens. And parabens.
0: And I, I think about that a lot when I, you know, a lot of the nail salons that we have all over the city. And one thing that I find really disheartening is that a lot of, some of these places will have these buy-in-bulk um, not so great products. Um, but some of them are even, ta- some brands are even touting them as organic, falsely organic. Yeah. And that is really, if you're not a label reader and you're not sort of hip to what goes on, um, you could end up just like that woman where, you know, you, have you've, you've you know, repeatedly had parabens massaged into your feet for 10, 20 years. I mean, that's how it works. I mean, I was going to ask you, when did you first, you know, the world has fortunately gotten hip to the harmful chemicals being used in personal care and beauty products. Finally, after many years, brands are revamping their formulations and many clean beauty brands, which we're going to talk about, have launched and so this was really when you first began to recognize the extensive use of harmful chemicals. It was, Absolutely. This it was, was with this woman who had a problem in her elbow that yeah, the, yeah the, breast, breast cancer and it was breast,
1: from, it came from her forearm basically seeped into her body and How did
0: they how did they how did how did, how did doctors figure out the connection or how how how, did, how was that explained to you? Uh,
1: so the way she said it they actually um, asked her what she was using and she took the lotions that she was using, and they compared it to the substance that they took out.
2: And oh, they did? Yeah.
1: yeah. And it was directly linked.
0: Um, I, shocking.
1: You know, I came from a science background, and I still didn't believe in until I, until I was talking to these women, until I got sick. I really thought your body was a filter. You'll filter it out. You'll be fine. They're like micro You know, it, it couldn't be harmful. Right. And... And when I got sick and almost disabled from it, I realized, Oh my God, this is a big responsibility. This was like, I would say around 15 years ago, maybe 13, the, the lowest, but 13 to 15 years ago, that's when it, when I was going through treatments and, um, and I'm like, I'm so glad I didn't just stuck my name into a label in order. Cause that was my plan to just basically make money. Yes. Because you can easily, I mean, cosmetics making is so easy to go to a lab and just like stick your label on it and put your name on anything, because they have everything available. Yeah. And I don't think I could have lived with myself.
0: No,
2: no, I
1: don't know. Now.
0: What else? That, yeah, you were saying. Well,
1: the, the things that to me that became really apparent and like it's got to be criminal to knowingly put harmful products in things that people that are supporting you hundred percent your endeavor, your business. You're harming them knowingly putting these things. It's got to be criminal, but it's not, which is so sad.
0: What else do you want to share about the importance of clean personal care? Well, the, I mean, the thing,
1: one thing is makeup artists, and I see them in YouTube, and I, I did a rant on my Instagram a while ago about seeing makeup artists putting gel liners inside their eyes. Yes, yeah, you, know, so you did that
0: I, recently. Let's talk about it, that. It really, I got so pissed. I'm like, you know, one thing is
1: doing things for picture, and we all know that the model or the actress that that is shooting, they put on the makeup and the hair as soon as they took off the clothes from the last look. They wipe it off, they wash their faces, they brush their hair, put it in a bun, and go out with clean face. These women, they make money, first of all. They have the luxury of going to a spa, having access to a steam room, doing some kind of detox. They eat healthy, all of that. But if it's like a you know, working mom that puts this shit on from 7 in the morning and takes and it off at 10 p.m.
0: Yeah, that hears about it on social media and yeah. just wants to look and, and feel beautiful.
1: Exactly. It doesn't run. It stays on for 12 hours, 16 hours. I mean, the, the toxic effect of that every single day, five days a week at least. In most of these women, I mean, if you live in like a place like you know, the Midwest or Texas, you wear makeup seven days a week. It's not five days a week. I mean, in New York, people go without with bare face or in LA maybe, but the rest of America, or the rest of the world, they wear makeup every single day. Yes. Um, it's so a
0: trend, Mateen, it's a trend of using gel liner in the waterline of the eye. Yeah. And it the gel liner will stay put. It won't run in the way that other...
1: It doesn't run because it has aromatics. It has... It has these, you know, basically benzene-type benzene, chemical, benzene type chemicals that will dry it out, but it also will clog your, your tear ducts. It will seep toxin into the most sensitive air of your, your, your body. Um, but people don't think about that. And what I learned with mercury, especially with mercury poisoning, is you need nanograms of it to feel sick. You don't need a kilogram of it. You don't need a ton of mercury to hit you. It's like literally nanograms. It's like you can't even like see it and that will disable you.
0: Yes. Mercury poisoning is a big one. So yep. you recovered. You you had to clean your blood. You had to recover. From- I
1: did three years of chelation and um, antioxidant work and with IVs. And I within three months, I, could, I I had more energy again and I could work. And um, my, my adrenals were shot. So I still like have to really gauge my my energy, like how fast I go. Um I can't run anymore the way, you know, like I used to be a long distance runner. I used to do two marathons marathons a year. So, you know, I have those side effects that my tendons are not the same anymore. My joints are hurting that way. Um so I didn't fully recover, but I have quality of life. At that time I had no quality anymore. Right. Put it this way, I wouldn't have committed suicide because I don't believe in it and and what it does to my family we 've been through it once, but um, honestly if if I knew I was going to die the next day, I would have welcomed it.
0: yeah, because you were that ill
1: so I was so so sick and I had no quality of life
0: yes, well we 're so glad that you 're better, and you 've since become a real voice for clean beauty i 'm wondering and clean, clean you know clean products. Do celebrities now request you based on your alignment with and the use of clean beauty brands? Do you get those? No, no. again, it's
1: like, you know, celebrities, they wear makeup only when they work. Yeah. Um, so they just want the look to be good. I try to use more clean than not. Um, and hey, I use brands that are not clean sometimes just to get a certain color or certain look. But again, they all know that as soon as the look is done, you know, the shot is done. You take off the lipstick. You, take, you, know, you don't eat it. You don't reapply it. Yeah, all. So it's a different setting. In the studio, You know, if I need to use something else, I do use. There are a lot of gorgeous products out there that are not clean, but they are made for fantasy. And my, my understanding is that everything is chemical, of course. There's cleaner beauty. There's no such thing as completely clean because everything could have a side effect. Yes. Um, but there's a lot of healthy beauty, which is much nicer to wear, when you're going to work and when you're wearing it, nine to five, nine to 10, whatever, for 10 hours, 14 hours a day. And then there's fantasy makeup. And if you're going to, you know, a Saturday night out and you have to have this one fuchsia lipstick that nobody else can make, by all means, wear it. But just take it off as soon as you get home.
0: Do you have, how, where are you now at this point in your life? in, um, w- are you th- thinking of launching a brand of your own? If I, um,
1: if I can have it the way I want, I would love to, but it's really, I've talked to a lot of, um, investors in my life. And as soon as you bring up clean beauty, they get scared the margins are not as
0: high. Unbelievable. The and expensive.
1: also if you come up with, uh, if you talk about the, um, you know, Responsible packaging—that's another thing that really turns them off.
2: Very expensive. So
1: it's expensive. It's um, it doesn't sell as much. Uh, it's a slower grow. Um, but you know, once you find your niche, it's the best way to do it. But again, it's one of those things that you know. I, knowing what I know, I would rather not have a brand than having a brand that I don't want to have. That's right. So that's that that's the dilemma is.
0: That makes sense. How are you feeling these days during this pandemic where people are relying on harsh chemicals in all forms to disinfect? What is your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on that? I'm,
1: I'm, I'm an avid um, supporter of soap and water. I don't really like the rest of it. Um, but again, if you need to sanitize your hand uh, and you're outside and you don't have soap and water by all means do it, but the most effective way is to really wash your hands.
0: Wash them well with soap and
2: water. With
1: soap and water, at least 20 to 30 seconds. And, you know, there are diagrams going out everywhere, so you know how to wash them. Um, That really is the most effective way. And then when you're outside, yeah, have a hand sanitizer or just a alcohol spray. I do take alcohol spray. I I just spray my hands with alcohol. I couldn't find hand sanitizer anywhere. In um, the company that I um, do buy, usually they, um, they were out of stock. So I didn't get any of that. Um, so I, I just basically take, you know, um, I have a 91% isopropyl that I take with me. Mm-hmm. And I spray my hands with that.
0: That's smart. Yeah. Let's talk about each of your favorite clean beauty brands. We were talking earlier about, I mean, there's tons that you love, but there are about six that we talked about. The mm-hmm. first one was Retrouve. ProTureve is a brand that is kind of newish. Yes. Um, at least to me, because
1: I, I know it for about a year, maybe a year and a half. Um, it was um, the woman that made it. She used to be the owner of Keels. Yes. And, um, and she, this was a product that she made for herself with her scientists from back then, and everybody loved it. And so this is a story that I know. Uh, everybody loved it and everybody, and she would just like basically make bigger patches to her friends and give it to them. And finally, her husband is like, you're basically supplying everybody's skincare. You've got to do something with this. Yeah. So they started marketing it. It's a, just a beautiful. The textures are very innovative. Um, they're oil, but gel oils? I, I don't even know how to. They're viscous. So they're not watery.
0: I oh, used the brand when it first came out. I remember being gifted something from the line. It's quite beautiful. Is it, it? It's black packaging, am I imagining? Yes. I get over there? Yeah, there it is. What is your favorite product from the
1: line? Eye cream is really amazing. Um, I use it a lot at night for sure. That's one of the, my go-to. Um, then um, they have this one called Facial Moisture um, Intensive uh, Replenishing Facial Moisturizer. This one, sometimes you get this, the bottle I have, as you can see,
2: it's fermented.
0: Mateen is showing me like an amber brown. um,
2: Yeah, Yeah. it's it's
1: beautiful and it smells divine. Um, It's, um, so what, the first time I got it, it was yellow. It was just like a creamy yellow oil color. And then the second time I got it, it was this and I, called in my friend that works with them. I'm like, is this expired or something? She's like, oh no, you got one of them that are fermented. Mm. And it's actually better with age. So this one is uh so I was lucky that I have this one bottle that is brown like that. And it's
0: fantastic. So um, one of the
1: brands that really um stands out in the market. It's just Uber luxurious. And if you have the capacity to buy it, it's it's just gorgeous, gorgeous line.
0: And then another brand that you listed is uh, this is this brand. I'm actually not familiar with by Is that how you say the it? German?
1: And it's, um, I have a bottle of it here. Um, so this, like this, is, this is my go-to and I'm almost done with it. Um, this one is called uh white noise, uh, perfect. Nacht white noise bomb. It's a bomb that you put on your pulse points before sleep. And it relaxes you. It has aromatics and I love that. Has aromatherapy in it, and and, but it's very slight. It's not.
0: I love that. I love uh, that. We're we're going to list all these products in the show notes so that people can find them.
1: Yeah, Jessica, this woman that fought really hard um, to make the brand happen. She, um, I met her during one of her trips in New York, and I was really lucky to meet her because she, her story was beautiful, and she stuck to our guns and she's like, no, this is, I'm making this as pure as possible. And she managed to make it and get funding for it. But in Germany, uh, Germans are a lot more progressive about these things. (laughs) Uh, So she, uh, gorgeous brand. Like they have a um, alpha hydroxy mask that you put on and and it's an exfoliant. Uh, She has a beautiful night cream, a gorgeous eye cream. the one that I always use on clients—I don't have it here with me—and it's called a uh, glass skin, and it literally gives that glass skin. You're
0: look kidding! Like oh, I need that.
1: It's beautiful. I have to get you that. It's unbelievable.
0: Glass it's skin.
1: Glass
2: skin.
0: That's that's a really great thing. I'm sure for pe- for being on camera. Oh my god! Right? It's
2: just—I mean, yeah. it, it just makes the skin look. Like look really flat.
0: even and perfect. And you're, another brand that you love, I love as well, is Suzanne Kaufman. Oh,
1: Suzanne Kaufman. Like, they, I'm, I'm addicted to their bath products, and I'm completely out of it. I'm so sad. But I do have their eye cream and their eye roll, which I, I'm in love with.
0: What is the eye roll?
2: Eye roll. Eye,
1: it's called Rescue. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, eye, eye Rescue Stick. It's like a little liquidy gel that you just roll on under your eye, and it's very cooling. And it's very firming. It's like immediately you can see like a firming effect. Is that um,
2: That's great.
1: It's incredible. And what I love about this is that um, like during the day after the makeup and concealer is on for a while and like you're touching up and you want to refresh the eye, you can take a little bit of it and pat it on top of the makeup and it just makes it go away. It makes it look perfect.
0: Flawless. I love it.
1: The line AI Eye Cream is also like a really amazing eye cream. I love it of uh, and I've used
0: for almost a year now. Next next on your list is Vice. Is that how you say Kierweiss? Kierweiss. Kierweiss. So, uh, I have I own some of the products. Um, uh, I love the makeup kit that they do. They do that, like little and I you know I, I, I go back and forth with kits. It's like do you want to drag a kit a kit around or do you not? This is the kit to own. It's light in
1: the world. And, and it's refillable. So all you need to do is pop out the products that you are not using or tired of using or done using, then pop up a new one and you take it with
2: you.
0: So, you're probably- I'm, so I'm so glad you said this because I weirdly fell in love with this kit. And, and the fact that you love it too makes me know that... Uh- oh, this is
1: my, my main setup. And yeah. I usually, at the night before I see a client, I pop in the colors that I think I'm going to use with her. And I'll take like maybe a, a darker shade of foundation and a lighter shade just in case they are tanned or or paler. And like maybe one more blush option. And then I would just, i basically work out of two of these. That's my setup.
0: Yes, actually, now now that I think about it, when we were shooting our cover back in in the winter, I re- remembered seeing... Yeah, you, but I had, you, had two of these. I remember that now. Um, and what do you love about the brand? Other
2: than uh, just the,
0: the... It was... It was so clean makeup, as
1: we said, it's become important to me. But again, I never was able to get the looks that I wanted completely from a clean brand. Um, In, I terms of do
0: color. In terms of color, right? Or-
1: exactly. Color, texture, um, the payoff, the way it stays on, um, the way it photographs the bounce from the flash. Because um, a lot of minerals, they bounce too much. And then you get this white face and dark body. So it's it's a little scary when you're doing like a, you know, a photo shoot
0: or something on a red carpet or yeah. So,
1: um, this brand, my friend, Jen, um, you know, um, Jen Smith. We talked about
0: that. I don't I don't know. Jen Smith. Jen is,
1: Jen is the one who, um, introduced me to the brand. And this was years ago when I was just looking for, for cleaner brands. And she sent me some of the refills and the packaging. And, and I fell in love with, i like, this is unbelievable. The packaging is, of course, the main packaging, the silver packaging is beautiful. But as a makeup artist... It's you heavy. It's, it's got a lot
0: of weight to it, which we love. Which it's amazing. substantial, it's pretty- but it's heavy.
1: But again, if you're just... If you're... For personal use, it works perfectly. If, it's, if
0: it's, it's sitting on a vanity, it looks it looks beautiful, right?
1: But also, if you're just taking one foundation and one blush, it's yeah. heavy. When you're taking five foundations and ten blushes... It adds vanity. a lot
0: of weight to your kit, yep. Except so, this makeup palette is super light. They, did, they made the makeup palette uh, very light. So when the palette
1: came out, I literally like, almost stopped using everything else because this was my go-to. Um, so she has, she has been a big advocate of the line, and she introduced me to it. She sent me the products. So I've been using it, and it was the, for the first time I really got – like I could use this brand from A to Z without relying on outside brands.
0: Wow, it's a real good, it, could, it can be a 100% go-to for you. For me,
1: the kind of makeup I do, like, you know, I, I don't need anything else. Like, they have beautiful colors. Even if I want a blue, they have a beautiful blue. If I want a purple, they have a beautiful purple. So they have, everything I need is in the brand. Um, so that's one of the reasons that I got really um, interested in the brand. The fact that um, Kirsten, the person that started it, never went against her will on making it responsible and organic and clean from day one. So it was the only product that it wasn't because of the PR because when they came out, I think it's a 10 year old line at that time, clean brands were like sold in whole foods and people were
0: far between whole foods. That's right. So you didn't really, um, and it didn't really mean anything
1: because it would be, you know, people, people would tax stuff organic and I would like read the ingredients. It would be like 10% organic or 11%. I think 11% was the, the lowest you could go and still call it organic back then. Um, but she kept it organic as much as possible. Um, and she kept it clean for sure from day one and recyclable. So you you just pop out the pen, recycle the pan, and get a new one. And then they. Mm-hmm. Day- they, they refill packaging is all paper, which is so genius. And you could just recycle the paper. So because of that, I have huge, uh, huge respect for the brand because they they really stuck to their guns from day one. They had a very steady, slow growth, but they were responsible. They, they took care yes. of their people. And one thing I really enjoyed, because I've, I've, I've worked with brands and, you know, I, I go to meetings and, I've heard this from a CEO of a company saying that, well, lipstick doesn't kill anyone. Oh, boy. Like nobody dies from using a lipstick. And I'm like, well, according to my, <laughs> my data, yes. I've you know. seen
0: something quite similar. Yeah.
1: A lipstick can kill, but slowly. It doesn't kill at once, but it will kill slowly. But this was like, you know, when I would go into pitch to maybe uh, clean up a brand or make it you know, more sustainable packaging. Well, let's uh, talk
0: about that, Mateen. Let's talk about your work with brands. How do you work with brands and collaborate? I, I have done
1: different things. I've done, um, I've collaborated with brands that it was purely on PR uh, level. So I would have, um, you know, I would use their products and they would use my name as a PR and I had nothing to do with the um, creation of colors or, or themes. Um, and then I've worked with brands that I, literally designed the entire collection for a few years and um
0: which brands and, were that were those I did, I did
1: laura mercier that way yep uh, laura took a four-year uh, leave right. she would of course i would be in contact with her and show her what yeah. we we're doing but i would be working with her development team and um and i designed all of their products for a few years did all of their shoes, the makeup for the shoots and advertising and that was a great experience it was beautiful because you know, she was my mother and my godmother basically. Yeah. And it was nice too, that she trusted me to come back and take that position oh, um, for brand. Cause you know, it can't be easy for, for uh, a creator of a brand to hand it over to someone else. Um, so I did that for a few years and it was really amazing. But then they, in the, in the process, they sold the brand to someone else and they had a new CEO, um, which is no longer there. Um, and the brand was sold again. And, that was the reason I left, was because we couldn't... My, my whole process was to go in and in, in slowly reformulate things. And yeah. also
0: bit, bit by bit, bit by bit,
1: bit. bit. Yeah, you can't do it overhaul, but, you know, just even like, you know, okay, so we're out of stock in these eyeshadows. Let's just...
0: Let's redo them. Yeah. That's so that,
1: that was my hope with that brand. Um, I uh, collaborate with Chapstick now for their... Yes.
0: I wanted to talk to you about ChapStick. Um, the total Hydration. I
1: remember them coming to me for a collaboration. I'm like, well, they don't have color. What am I going to do with them? They're like, oh, no, there's a new product out, in, 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 which was um, naturally derived. And it piqued my interest because everything that I liked in the beauty, in the clean beauty business, was the RMS in the care vice world, um, not attainable. And you couldn't buy it all over the country. You couldn't just go to a Target or a Walmart and right. buy it. So it was very interesting to me that a brand as big as ChapStick was doing something natural.
0: It's fantastic. How did, And they found you because they knew the, uh, about your um, interest? Uh, yeah, they, they came through my agency
1: and they um, offered um, this collaboration. And so we did, and it was just the total hydration without color at the beginning, and then a year later... Um, they decided to do color, and the colors are so beautiful. I, I, you've seen me using it. Yes, so it's like all you need is just that for. Yeah, it's
0: a beautiful you know. lip. How, how do you? How do you, explain how you use chapstick in your work? I use it
1: for um, by itself for a very sheer. Like if I'm doing more of an eye, I use it for a. Um, if it's like a stain type of lip, I use chapstick, and then if it's like a bold, bright lip. Then I use it underneath to moisturize the lip. Um, I mean, good ever face. since then, I'd like we've come up with uh, there's lip oil and like night I, serum.
0: I oh, yeah. love the lip oils. So good. So what uh, are they formulated with? What they're formulated naturally? What what are some of the key formulas? They have, formulas?
1: have uh, coconut oil. They use shea butter, like things like that, instead of Beautiful. You know, instead of using uh, petrochemicals and that, that is used in, in most most of those other lip balms.
0: It's wonderful that you can get these chapstick products all over the oh, I was so
1: I was so floored by it. I'm like, this is incredible because anybody could spend three, uh, it's like three or four, not even $4. I think it's like three something. Yeah. Um, um, like, like anybody, I, I, I remember running into Target in LA and I, I didn't have any of them and I, like basically bought all of it that they had on the on in stock, and it was like twenty dollars. Yeah, like we're not you,
0: we're, we're not we're not used to you know you you work with products at all price points, so that's like a shocking. <laughs> so it's I, shocking I, I, to be able to spend that kind of money and get so much. <laughs> did they do the lip oil, or did you did you guide them to do a lip oil? Because lip oil is um, really a lip- talk about it, but
1: I'm not on their on their production team. Um, it's, uh, you know, they're, they're owned by a, ph- a pharmaceutical company, so they're really strict in the guidelines. And then I work with their, the team of the creative team that, that are doing the, uh, you know, PR and, and marketing. So I work with them mostly. And, um, but the, the beauty of these lipsticks are that even if I'm doing a matte, bold lip color, and I would put the lip color, my clients always, whenever they get out of the car before they get to the red carpet, they're putting their lipstick on in the dark. And a lot of times they get messed up if they're using a lip liner or a lipstick in the dark in the back of the car. So with, with this, if I'm doing a red lip, I could give them the house red or the Merlot, depending on the color, and then they would go on and touch up with that and freshen up their lips without changing the texture. And throughout the night, they touch up with that.
0: Oh, instead of. So- it layers itself on
1: Layers on and it's sheer. So it doesn't look like gloppy heavy. And you
0: know. we don't have to worry about the lip line and fantastic. So that's a great okay. tip. Oh, it's,
1: it's like, it's a lifesaver.
0: That's a great, great tip. Uh, let's talk about, there were a couple of other brands you mentioned, uh, Rituel de Fille.
2: Rituel de Fille is a,
1: is a, it's an American line. I believe it's out of LA. Um, they have these beautiful little um, eye suits that they call it. Ooh. So they're cream eyeshadows. They have beautiful lipsticks too. Um, but it's a clean line. Um, and um, the eye are. you can just use your fingers. You can just pick out a little bit without, without the back of your brush or something, put it on your fingers. And it just like it has the most beautiful shimmers. It has the most beautiful payoff. Um, and it's clean. It's very... I it's love
0: that. I love the idea of of a, of a really well pigmented, a clean eyeshadow, right?
1: Oh, it's so beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. And they came up with a new one. Uh, it's a black orb. It's called. It's like, it looks very witchy. uh, That's one thing that I really love about the line. Everything looks like it reminds me of potions,
0: like lotion, like potions, like, uh, yeah,
1: uh, yeah, they have these cute little jars that are tiny and, and beautiful, but witchy looking and dark. Um, Almost like, do you remember um Anna Sui's packaging? Yes,
0: like, of course. It's
1: kind of like a lucite on the bottom, but with an Anna Sui top type of thing. Mm-hmm. It's like a really fun, beautiful packaging. and um, But the payoff is amazing. And this Black Orb is an amazing eyeliner and a soot. So they use these these really gorgeous cream eyeshadows that I love. They have really amazing lip lipsticks that are just absolutely beautiful. I don't know if they have skin products like foundations and concealers yet, but Whatever I've gotten in their lip and eye category, I fall in love with immediately. They're, They're really perfect.
0: Cool. I cannot wait to uh, see and try. And then finally, Jillian Dempsey products. Jillian Dempsey was my former agent. She was an agent for me for a while. When oh, I was Yes, when I was working as a stylist and I was living in LA for a very short period of time, Jillian Dempsey had an agency called Bardeen.
1: And oh, she, I no idea that. It was hers.
0: Yes, it's Bardeen. That was Jillian that was Dempsey. And she repped stylists and hair and makeup, and I was with her for a while. Um, and it's, was, it's very cool to see that she has this line now. Why don't you tell, tell me more about it? Because I've seen it in stores, but I didn't realize you know, she was doing this until recently. And, and what do you know about it? And what do you love about it? Well, I mean, I,
1: I, I used to have a line a few years ago, right? And then it just kind of disappeared. So yes. I didn't know if it existed or not. And then I got this box from Credo that had her little pots of like, uh, you know, cheap ch- cheek and lip tints. Um, and they're beautiful. They're really gorgeous. It goes on easily. Um, so they sent me that. And then her PR sent me her gold bar, which I was like, what is this? And then gold I gold it. It's called? called gold bar. It's this, um, it's this thing that you massage her for the face that it pushes, like, the serum and everything, and it just kind of, like...
0: Fab. The,
1: with the lymph flow, it's unbelievable. It's, like, super luxury. Uh, so, and I saw that, and then I... When, when I looked at the cradle box, and I'm like, oh, my God, and it's clean. And her eyeliners and lip liners are beautiful. So I fell in love with it because it was clean and because it performs like a care of ice does. It actually, like, you really get a payoff. You really well, get...
0: Jill's a former makeup artist, so or I don't know if she's still doing makeup these days, but I think she's doing she's working on an app. I think
1: she I, I saw it in her feed that she was working on an app, like a makeup app that you can show how to do makeup and then very
0: the, cool. Well, if anybody would know, she's
1: pretty amazing. She's, she's
0: so smart. smart, she's a smart cookie. Yeah. Okay, as we wrap up, Mateen, I'd love to know what products you're using personally these days. What are you? What are you using on your face before bed, let's say? Uh, what is your routine? My routine is usually, I,
1: I, I mix up a lot. I, I don't do the same thing every night because I have the luxury of having so many beautiful lines. Um, I, if I feel a little dry, I do a sleeping mask and my go-to sleeping mask is either CO Beauty. Do you know those patches?
0: What is, what is the brand?
1: CO, S-I-O. No, I don't know S-I-O. So they're like, these patches that you put on on bare skin after you wash your face and it sticks and you sleep with it and you wake up the next morning and it's like you take 10 years off for the day.
0: You're kidding. I, I don't know co. I'm going to have to try them. <laughs> I
1: looked them up. They're amazing.
0: Okay.
2: As uh,
1: I so I use that to sleep if I need to, uh, or if I want a cream products and I don't want anything on my face that way, I would use, um, there's a beautiful organic product called, um, it's an Australian line called, Oh God, Uh, alchemist, uh, grown alchemist. Oh, I know.
0: I love their hand cream.
1: Beautiful. Wait, Mateen, I
0: I fell in love with their hand cream. I've got a hand cream. Yeah, the cute little tube. It's super chic looking and I believe I got it. It's one of those things that I received in a gift bag and I kept it by my bedside and I'm using it every night and just sort of falling in love with it. I love...
1: It's so beautiful. So they have a sleeping mask that is really amazing. It looks like a night cream, so it's clear You put it on and the next morning, your skin is like baby skin. Um, I use Retrovae a lot. Um, And especially at night. I use by Nacht. I use their serum always at night. There's there's a serum called Born to Glow or something like that. So it's a glow serum. I use their serum and the the white noise I always use. Um, This brand, uh, new to me, Aura Veda I use at night. They're, they have a night, night mask as well that I've used.
0: So you're very much into sleep mask, overnight masks.
1: I love masking. I mean, if you have the luxury to mask, why not? Yes. Especially if it's like so easy to do. Um, yeah. It just looks like a night cream. Um, another brand that I really have fallen in love with lately, and I'm, I just am starting their uh, ampules. I do an ampule every three months, which is a more um, concentrated serum type and it kind of boosts up the skin. So I do it every season. I haven't seen um,
0: ampules from, from many brands lately. They're, so I know,
1: they're
0: because they're expensive. And they're a lot expensive. Of so now now we, we know why, because basically what's in an ampule is like a, a, a much more...
1: It's a very concentrated... Very
0: concentrated amount. formula, yeah. So
1: basically, you're paying for what you're getting. So it's for like pure
0: ingredients.
1: ingredients. So the one that I like, it's called Royal Firm. So, last season I used Susan Kaufman ampules. She has a beautiful ampule that is even like a repair from blue light from the screen. So, if you're working on the computer a lot, yeah, she has one. Unbelievable. Uh, So, I don't have her ampules, but now I have the the, um, Royal Fern ampules that are really beautiful too. So, I use those ampules. Gear Vice Oil is really good for day or night. It's a little.
0: I ran out of mine. I had some for a while. Yeah, it's beautiful.
1: and then one other thing that I really, do, it's a brand that um, you don't really see it in retail, but um, I really like is, do you know Yonka?
0: I do know Yonka. I have a facial spray from them and it also smells beautiful.
1: Oh, so good. So that's another brand that I like. And as far as um, like other masks that I enjoy, Nesco, we talked about when you were talking to Holly. Yes. They do and I absolutely love it. Actually, my iPad is right now propped on the boxes from that. They have
0: beautiful, um, beautiful packaging as well.
1: And then do you know Talika? No. Talika has also eye patches. They were like the original eye patches that nobody before anybody else had eye patches. They were.
0: Oh, I um, didn't know about them.
1: It's a old school, like, like long time ago eye patches. I like I really do like their eye patches. And they have a mask, it's a bubble mask. Oh. And it's um so you put it on, it's a black charcoal mask, and it bubbles up and it literally becomes like you look like a little animal. Um You're
0: kidding. I've never seen anything like that before.
1: Oh, it's a detox mask and it just pulls off. um, That's a really good one. In one other mask that I just started using and I'm like literally obsessed with is this brand called bloom effects and it's called Dutch dirt. And it's this little
0: beautiful, very colorful packaging. It has designs.
1: I have used detox masks a lot in my life, but I have to say I've never seen results like that. It Literally, my pores look non-existent after I use wow. them. Wow. Because like, I have oily skin and, and big pores, and it's always been not a problem. It's been... I've been Some, aware of
0: it. Yeah. I something see, you want to control. Yeah. You see it in
1: the mirror. It's fine what it is as long as I keep it clean, but this mask is ridiculous.
0: You're giving us so many great tips and product I, ideas. Do you wash your face? Like what do, do you
2: wash, your, I, do you wash I,
0: your face with? I
1: have a bunch of different washers. I use, I go between uh, washing, like this bloom thing, I just got uh, a cleanser from them. It's like a jelly cleanser that is, goes mm-hmm. into an oil. Um, I have retro oil cleanser, which I love. I have B3, it's called a B3 balm. And it's, a, it's an oil cleanser that is new. That one I've used. Um, if I feel extra oily, I use a gel cleanser. There's a new brand, Natrium. Let me just look at it.
0: Mateen is going to get some more products. I mean, We've heard about so many different products on this podcast. It's uh, unbelievable. Take notes, everybody. But we'll, so we'll, we will list everything in the show notes for you so you can shop all of Mateen's recommendations.
1: Natrium. Naturium. They just Naturium. This is a and it, this is a brand that I. What I enjoy about that brand is that it has the, the price point is sixteen to twenty five dollars. Not but bad. It, honestly, it feels like hundreds of dollars product.
0: It does. It, it and you know, I mean, this, is, this is from a man who studied mon- molecular biology, who was a scientist, has worked for and with almost uh, tons of beauty brands. So you know the difference in product feel. Oh, that-
1: Important textures are so important, and cheap textures—they feel cheap if they're cheap. Um, this doesn't feel cheap; it feels like a luxury brand. Fantastic. So that one I love. And then, last but not least, um, is some, I want to show you a couple of gadgets that I've been using. One is from Paws Beauty. This little gadget—it's
0: gadget. a very cool silver gadget. Uh...
1: It's like a—it's like a guasa, but it's not a guasa. It's a, it's made of. Um, It's made of surgical steel, so you can actually massage your body with it. You can massage your neck, your face. It's just beautiful. It's a a collagen boosting tool.
0: Collagen boosting and circulation, I bet, right? Gets the circulation.
1: For you can also leave it in the in the fridge to get it um, to make it cool for your eyes and stuff. Then Seal Beauty, the same one that makes masks, they also have this little surgical steel one that just fits in beautifully, and you can massage your face with it. And that's a cooling um, thing, it's a cryo tool. So beautiful. It's, a cryo, it's beautiful for the mornings. This And I it's love.
0: small and compact from what you're showing me. And the beauty of it
1: is that for me, because surgical steel doesn't have porosity, I can spray alcohol and clean it.
0: Oh, so that's, that's handy.
1: Or especially if you're using it for your kit, um, stone can have pores and the pores can have, you know, you cannot.
0: Can trap, complete. can trap all of the bacteria. And then last
1: but not least, I've been using this a lot. It's a little gadget from Dermaflash. Um, it's called Dermapore. So one side of it, you can clean your pores with it. The other side, it pushes in the uh, serums into your body.
0: Oh, that's great. I love it's, the idea of being able to clean your pores with it, with the facial device. Dermat- we are gonna be doing a story on facial devices, so maybe we'll include that in the roundup as well.. As yeah, the roundup so
1: these are these are like the external devices that I've been using between gold bar, um, thermal flash. I mean, unfortunately I don't have my charger for it. So it's- I
0: can only imagine what the cabinet in your bathrooms look like. Oh like- it's,
1: uh, my house is like a store like a store almost.
0: You're gonna have to take a picture for me. Will you take a picture of your things and send it? It was so lovely speaking with you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so
1: much for having me.
0: And I cannot wait to work on a shoot with you again soon.
1: I hope so. Can't wait. Cheers. Bye, Annie.
0: Bye.